On February 24th, 2021, street personnel were cleaning debris from a ditch when they found a body in a wooden area adjacent to a nearby creek in Jacksonville, North Carolina. The body was identified as 34-year-old transgender woman Jenna Franks. It's been two years since her brutal death and her case is being investigated as a possible hate crime. Let's break down the details. Secrets of the Trees presents The Unsolved Murder of Jenna Franks. I learned about Jenna's unsolved case from Facebook. On February 24th, 2023, the Jacksonville Public Safety Facebook page posted the following. It has been two years and Jacksonville police investigators are still searching for information in the death of Jenna Franks, who was found murdered on February 24th, 2021. Franks' body was found in a wooded area off of Ellis Boulevard by a City of Jacksonville Streets Division work crew that were in the process of clearing debris from a draining ditch in that area. We are asking members of our community and those who knew Jenna to reach out to our investigators if they have any information, whether old or new, to give us a call so that we can look into it. We believe this case can be solved by one or two key pieces of information that someone may believe to be insignificant. Now, Jacksonville is home to Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune, or Lejeune, depending on how you wish to pronounce it, and Marine Corps Air Station New River. There is a significant military presence in the community. In 2021, the population of Jacksonville was roughly 73,000. I've lightly mentioned my spouse being in the service, and he was actually stationed in Jacksonville for quite a period of time. The area where Jenna was found is actually an area where we have driven by in the past and is closer to New River than Lejeune. Now, there hasn't been much published on Jenna's case, and that's why it's important that even though we don't have much to go on, we need to bring awareness for her case, especially since there appears to be a renewed interest or active interest in her case. So, as mentioned, street personnel were clearing a ditch when they saw a body located in a wooden area adjacent to a nearby creek. According to the autopsy report, Jenna was found with her pants down around her ankles. It said there were multiple stab wounds to the left neck and bilateral lower extremities. Her body was found floating in the creek on her back with her head turned to the side. Due to decomposition, her face was unidentifiable. She had trace amounts of methamphetamine and alcohol in her system. There were some issues with the media and police deadnaming Jenna. Deadnaming happens when someone, whether intentional or not, refers to a person who is transgender by the name they used before their transition. Given name or birth name are also terms used to describe the deadname. Not only can deadnaming feel invalidating, the person can also feel that you don't respect their transition, identity, or plainly just do not care enough to put in the effort to address them by their chosen name. There are several problems with denaming beyond the blatant disrespect to the individual, such as possibly subjecting them to harassment and discrimination. Many of the articles I read referenced Jenna by her birth name, and several of those articles also included quotes from police with the dead name. The more recent articles I read, however, did appropriately address Jenna, including the Jacksonville Safety Facebook post, which drew me to her case. I also watched a news clip from March 4th, 2021 that shared more details than I was able to find from online articles. Jenna lived in Jacksonville for about two years, and her ultimate plan was to secure a job and eventually leave. In the reporter's phone call with Jenna's half-sister, Jessica, Jessica revealed that Jenna told her that if anything ever happened to her, to just know that it wasn't an accident. Recently, before her passing, Jenna had been jumped by three guys. The director of Onslow County's LGBTQ Center, Dennis Biancuso, was interviewed in that news clip, and he said that Jenna was in and out of the Dick's Crisis Center, last discharged on November 24th of 2020. Jenna experienced bouts of homelessness and stayed at Onslow Outreach, where other members harassed Jenna for being transgender. You know, I really feel the need to express this here. I can't imagine being homeless. 
wondering about where I'm going to lay my head the next day, and still having the energy to hate someone else. If ever there was a specific right time to mind your own business, that's it. Dennis revealed that he received a call notifying him that there was a transgender woman being targeted by other members of the community, and he assisted with placing Jenna into a host home alongside another transgender woman. The reporter stated that they hoped placing Jenna with this unidentified woman would help get her on the right track. However, due to an incident which was not revealed, Jenna was removed from the home. Jenna's family instantly thought Jenna was attacked and killed due to her being transgender. From early articles I read, police initially stated that they were investigating all possibilities before specifying that her death was being investigated as a possible hate crime. I also read that funds were being raised for the Jenna Franks interim housing project in her memory, which would offer housing and job training for LGBTQ people experiencing homelessness. However, a Facebook comment I read stated that the housing project never came to fruition due to politics and instead backpacks with daily essentials were prepared for displaced individuals. Dennis also shared Jenna's efforts to help other people experiencing homelessness, stating, Jenna found it very difficult to move from the world of being a person without a home to the world most of all of us are comfortable in within our homes. I recall at one point, Jenna got upset with me because we were going to work on some practical life skills that would go into her time as a panhandler. It wasn't that Jenna was mad because she'd miss a few bucks, she was upset because on a specific day and specific time, a local police officer who had gone to know Jenna would meet her with a fresh baked large pizza and Jenna didn't want to miss the pizza connection. Diving a little deeper into this disappointment, it wasn't that Jenna couldn't live without a pizza, she would only eat a slice, but that pizza was a treat she shared with other homeless folks she created friendships with along the way. Another instance was to meet a food giveaway, not anything that Jenna bothered to keep for herself, but she knew that if she went, there would be extra food for the folks that live in an encampment back in the woods. If politics truly got in the way of building this housing in Jenna's name, that is very much a shame. Investigators say whoever killed Jenna is familiar with the area and theorize that they may continue to work or live in the area. Based on evidence provided by the FBI, it seems that Jenna willingly went to meet whoever killed her, not knowing that she would be stabbed to death. We've talked about stabbings before on this podcast and the personal connection behind those attacks. There are theories behind knife attacks, in particular that the psychology behind stabbings is different than other methods of murder, such as shootings, for example. According to Naftali Baril, a forensic psychologist in New York City, anytime somebody commits a murder or assault by either choking, stabbing, or making bodily contact, it always speaks to a level of rage and perhaps a personal connection to the victim that shooting with a gun does not. She went on to say, when you're stabbing someone, it's close and in your face. The experience is more visceral and more graphic, more provocative. It speaks emotionality, whether rage or paranoia. Threats and violence against the LGBTQ community are on the rise. It's quite possible someone chose to stab Jenna to death because she freely lived her authentic self. According to an article by NBC News, the annual number of anti-LGBTQ bills to have been filed has skyrocketed over the past several years, from 41 in 2018 to 238 in the first three months of 2022. About half of these 238 bills target transgender people directly. The ACLU is, as of the time of this episode being published, tracking 426 anti-LGBTQ bills in the U.S., now, I've included a link in the description box to the interactive map that they have created so that you can see which bills are advancing in which state. 
So circling back to the threats and violence against the community, LGBT people are nearly four times more likely than non-LGBT people to experience violent victimization, including rape, sexual assault, and aggravated or simple assault, according to a study by the Williams Institute at the UCLA School of Law. In addition, LGBT people are more likely to experience violence both by someone well-known to the victim and at the hands of a stranger. On February 28th, 2023, a millstone inscribed with a Bible scripture was anonymously left in front of Crew Bar and Wine, a Beaufort, North Carolina bar that supports the LGBTQ community. Millstones are stones used for grinding wheat and other grains, and they are usually very large and very heavy. The millstone that was dropped off weighed several hundred pounds and was painted with rainbow colors. It was inscribed with the words Luke 17.2, a verse that references throwing a person who leads children astray into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck. Surveillance footage was checked and it showed two men with a moving car placing it in front of the bar. There was a woman as well who took pictures and then apparently everyone held hands around the millstone and prayed. The stone was dropped off at about 5.55 a.m. The bar opens at 6.30 so these three unidentified folks were making sure that it was there in time for opening. These people are so fueled by hate that not only did they wake up early to place this ridiculously heavy stone in their car, they drove over to this bar to take it out, wheel it over, and then hold hands and pray all before 6.30 a.m. Bar staff believe that this stone is a form of intimidation as crew has been a safe space for the LGBTQ community and also hosts drag shows. However... And there's always a however. Buford police are treating the stone as litter and hauled it back to the police department, citing the bar owner wanted it removed and additionally that it was a tripping hazard being so close to the sidewalk. Police officials stated that they will not be investigating who put the millstone in front of the bar, claiming it's not a hate crime, it's a freedom of expression. It's simply a Bible verse with a rainbow. While it's offensive to some, it may not be offensive to someone else. Right? It's simply just a Bible verse about tying a concrete weight to someone's neck and then throwing them into the ocean so that they can rapidly sink to the bottom while they struggle and drown. Of course, no need to overreact. Oh, and cruises on the water. Like, you can walk just a few minutes before reaching the intercoastal waterway of the Atlantic Ocean. And the hate and violence against the LGBTQ community isn't just on the rise in the US. March 22nd, 2023, so literally a handful of days ago, Ugandan lawmakers approved some of the world's harshest anti-gay laws, making some crimes punishable by death and imposing up to 20 years in prison for people identifying as LGBTQ+. In Uganda, same-sex relationships are already illegal and punishable by life imprisonment. According to an article by CNN, more than 30 African countries ban same-sex relations, but Uganda's law would appear to be the first to criminalize merely identifying as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer. In addition to the ACLU link, I have also included the link to the 2023 annual report from the European region of the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Intersex Association, also known as ILGA Europe, which found an increase in the frequency and intensity of violent acts against the LGBTQI plus community. Per the advocacy director of ILGA Europe, the most striking finding in the year of 2023 is the hate and violence reported across the region. We have done the annual report for 12 years, and this year's report, so 2023, finds that the year 2022 was the most violent for LGBTQI plus people. 
Not only has violence against LGBTQI plus people increased in the previous 12 months, but the report states that these hate crimes increased in the severity of that violence. Among the murders reported, the high number of trans people, especially trans women, being killed stands out. There is a clear correlation with the extreme rise in transphobic hate they've seen over the years, especially in countries working to reform trans rights. ILGA Europe has also raised concerns over an increase in trans hate speech online. At this time, the FBI is offering a reward of up to $10,000 for information leading to the identification, arrest, and conviction of the individual or individuals responsible for the murder of Jenna Franks. Anyone with information regarding this case, no matter how insignificant you believe the information may be, should contact the Charlotte office of the FBI at 704-672-6100 or the Jacksonville Police Department Crime Stopper tip line at 910-938-3273.